0: Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for On the Money, presented by Embassy National Bank.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of On the Money, the number one small business show on Business Radio X. On the Money is presented by Embassy National Bank. We're a nationally chartered financial institution, and our deposits are insured by the FDIC. On this show, uh, we discuss topics designed to help small businesses succeed, because at Embassy National Bank, we're proud of how how we help small business. I'm your host, Joe Moss, the president of Embassy National Bank, and we are broadcasting from the Subaru of Gwinnett, Atlanta studios. But we've got real good news today, because this is the first show out of This studio has been relocated to Sonesta Gwinnett Place, Atlanta, which is a beautiful hotel located at Pleasant Hill and I-85, heading north out of Atlanta. The studio is a lot bigger. It's open air, broadcasting out in the lobby. You want to come by and watch us, you can do that. And Sonesta, good hotel, full service, business meetings, has a ballroom. Full bar pool, indoor and outdoor pool. So it's a great place for uh, meetings, uh, staying overnight during the week or through the week, and then uh, maybe a weekend getaway. So look up Sinesta Gwinnett Place, Atlanta. So here we are, and we have a real good guest on the show today.
0: Oh, I didn't. Uh, Mike, do you want to say anything about your new gig? No, no, I just want to congratulate you. You, you and your guest, Keith, are, are christening the new studio. This is the first live show we just moved in this week so you are the first and uh you know it, it, we did this for you joe we want to make sure wow. we take care of you wow yeah so bigger brighter uh cozy uh just just nicer and uh, the folks at Sinesta do have done a great job taking care of us and they'll take a great care of you and all our other hosts so i could just say that speaking on behalf of business radio x we are excited about our new digs here at the Senesta gwinnett place atlanta Come by and see them. They're just right off the lobby. This All is pretty those interesting. fans of Joe Moss that have been wanting to, they have heard you for years, can now actually watch a show live because outside the windows here, we've got a speaker set up so these folks can listen to the shows as they as they walk by or if they stop, they can stand there and, and watch you and wave signs like like the, like the, the uh, Today Show. You know, in the background, they can wave <laughs> at you.
1: I think I'll sit with my back to the window. No, I'm just kidding. There you <laughs> go. No, so anyway be like ESPN, uh, Saturday morning ESPN. There you go. Um, Well, anyway, we have a very timely guest today. He's been on the show. Now, this is your third visit, I believe. I think so. Yeah, this is Keith Nabb, and he is the president and owner of AffordableMedicareSolutions.com, which is a um, health plan agency that will help you make sure That you uh, get into the right health care plans, whether you be private individual, whether you are over retirement age or a small business that wants to make sure they've got their people in the right places, that they're doing what they can for their employees. So, Keith, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. We couldn't plan this any better. <laughs>
2: yeah, you know, there's a, right now we have both the health and care enrollment and the Medicare enrollment exactly going overlapped right now.
1: Right. And uh, this that wasn't done intentionally, but uh, it's better to be lucky than good. Right. <laughs> That's right. OK. We're hearing so much about the Affordable Care Act and the exchanges and all that. So can you kind of run down for us what exactly is going on?
2: Yes, and there are lots of you know cross-current going on, a lot of different um, misinformation and myths and, and things that are happening. But definitely just I want to distinguish right up in front is that there is Medicare for people that are disabled or over 65 years old. And then there's the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act has uh, components that relate to group insurance for businesses. But what's getting all the noise is the individual personal insurance market. And that's where we're having the major problems. And we're hearing about companies, um, pulling out of States or, or leaving and stuff. And it's confusing, you know, the business owners, it's confusing my senior citizens. That doesn't really apply to them under those scenarios. What we're talking about, the one that's really, that's in turmoil is the personal health insurance market.
1: And, uh, before the uh, show came on, you, you, uh, uh, discussed basically three silos for me that I found very helpful.
2: You want to go through that again? The three silos for buying personal health insurance? Well, in terms of where everybody is and relative to insurance. Okay. So half of America, 150 million people, are covered by group health insurance. And then we've got 118 million people under some sort of socialized care, whether it's children's health insurance programs, VA, Social Security disability, Medicare, Medicaid, um, the new Medicaid under the Affordable Care Act. And we're going to be adding 25 million more people to Medicare. We know we're going to go from 60 million to 85 million. And we're probably going to add another 10 million or so under the Affordable Care Act Medicaid provision. Um, so we're going to talk about 150 million people under socialized care mm-hmm. and 150 million people still under group health insurance. Okay. Well, that leaves still about 15 or 20 million people that are under that personal health market, which is what is getting all of the news. It's getting dominating all the, the headlines right now. And remember, that's only five percent of America. Okay. Um, so, what's likely to happen to those? What are the, What are these people seeing right now? So, what they're seeing is chaos. I mean, there's a lot of problems. Half of my clientele received cancellation letters, and uh, that are under 65 years old. You know, ha- um, most of my agency um, did not, but half under age 65 got cancellation letters, and so we're we're moving them to new plans and whatnot. Um, some of them are just saying that I can't handle this because it's too expensive now. My own personal family's insurance went from $450 a month three years ago to now to be around $1,800 per month. Wow. And that's a house payment. That's crazy. It is crazy. And high, very high deductible, very, too. Very, very high, yes. Okay. So you know, $13,500 max for a family and stuff. It's just, it's, it's crazy. So I think where it's where we're going with this is that obviously we don't know who's going to be elected and there's going to be new administrators and new uh, people elected and whatnot. And, but there's going to be a huge motivation from the public side that then this needs to be fixed. And you're hearing that right now. Although prescription drug prices are getting more news actually from, sure. from it on well, polling, but but we know there's going to be some sort of fix. The insurance companies actually are doing very well under Medicare. They're doing very well under group health insurance. And where they're not making any money is this 5% of America on personal insurance. And they're like, this is not worth our time. We're losing our shirts, etc. The G- Medicare side is personal insurance also when you sign up for Medicare when you're senior you get a personal plan and your spouse gets a personal plan They're individual plans and so that I have a feeling the the Affordable Care Act personal insurance is going to be reformed something similar to privatized Medicare plans that's my guess and um, it just makes sense because the insurance companies are doing ve- very well in those plans mm-hmm. they're very popular because they don't have deductibles the most hated thing in America is your insurance deductible. Right. You could become president just by saying, "I'll get rid of your deductible." That's all you have to say. Don't even talk about Aleppo or anything else. I have a feeling that's what's going to happen. Is they're going to be they're going to reform it that way.
1: Well, let's say you're a small business owner, and let's say you're under the 50 level, uh-huh. but you had previously you had a desire to make sure all your employees were covered. And I guess some of them were subsidizing their
2: employees to go out to the exchange. They decided
1: that was the best way to go. What's happening to those?
2: So the reason people were doing that is that if you offer a group health plan and somebody says, well, thank you for my insurance, but you're not helping me pay for my spouse and my child. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go get them insurance. They can't get subsidies. The the Affordable Care Act subsidies, you can't because they're eligible for group insurance. So a lot of group insurance people said, well, our business owners said, we're not going to do group insurance. We're going to give people money to go buy their own personal insurance. Well, they made a rule. It was last July 1st. So the IRS uh, and uh, administration put in the rule that was $100 a day penalty, $36,500 a year penalty. If you do that per employee, you cannot give them money identified to go buy their own health insurance. You can give them a raise and just say, do whatever you want, but you cannot identify money that you're giving them that has to be used for buying health insurance.
1: Now, I don't understand why they wouldn't do that, because wasn't the point of affordable care to try to get as many people covered as you could. Yes. So why have they done that?
2: There's a lot of head-scratchers in all of this, a tremendous amount of head-scratchers, but definitely the group insurance companies did not want to see that small group market evaporate into these individual plans that would have destabilized the group insurance market. So they, that's basically a firewall. That rule became a firewall to stop any bleed over. And there really wasn't a lot going on. It wasn't as much as, as expected. Um, there may have been more this year. Who knows? But um, I think there's actually a migration now back to small group insurance because they're so uh, the regular plans under Obama, uh, the Affordable Care Act are so bizarre on their deductibles and things and small doctor networks that we're actually seeing people asking about group insurance more now to, to get better networks and to get better plan designs.
1: If you are covered right now under a group plan, uh, what is the impact of this meltdown on you and your group plan?
2: It's really not that much. Um, the There's a rules and regulations they have to you know, abide by, but it's really not doing too much to the group market that, that we've heard or we've seen. So the, met, so the coverage
1: rules that were in place under the Affordable Care Act, those are still, Those coverage rules have not changed. That's right. you got to insure for certain things, and Mm -hmm. and those rules are the same. The only difference is companies are abandoning the
2: um, the exchanges. The personal health market under the uh, health marketplace exchanges. So if you're a sole proprietor Mm -hmm. or you are a family
1: and your spouse may be covered under the group, but you are going to the exchange, Mm -hmm. uh, you've got to find an alternative.
2: Right. Either within the exchange or if you're lucky, you can stumble across a couple of plans that are available off exchange, mm-hmm. which means that you can do that. So let me give you something interesting that happened. If, I believe the rule is if a, if a carrier pulls all their plans out of a state, and I believe that, I don't know if it's a national rule, but here in Georgia, they, they can't come back for three years mm-hmm. to Georgia to sell. So a couple of the carriers removed all but one option so that they wouldn't have officially left the state. And so they they're offering those off exchange and they've turned off the electronic applications and making us do paper applications. They're making it very old school. And, and probably we have to uh, walk through a maze or something in their office and prove that we can actually find a place to turn in the applications. I mean, it's, they don't want it's them, there, they don't want them, but they don't want them, <laughs> they don't want them. Don't want them at all. It's a uh, very comical actually in a sad way.
1: I, this is all very confusing to me, but I guess I, I guess I get it. But um, so what's, What's likely to happen then? Let's talk about you're, you're going down that road. So what's likely to happen? Because clearly, now that people are expecting the availability of health care, they're going to want to find it. So the expectations there. What's likely to happen?
2: Well, of course, it depends on the elections. And, and, and even when you hear the bluster of saying people saying, well, we're going to do a public option or we're going to do repeal and replace, a lot of that is um, hyperbole. And it's probably not going to be either one of those. My bet is that it is going to be a negotiated type of settlement. And the privatized Medicare is a good example of that. It is a public option. Medicare, of course, is socialized care. But the privatized option means that it's delivered through private companies. So we have almost 20 million seniors that are doing that annually right now, and it's growing and it works really well. And that's where a lot of the companies are making almost all their profits. Um, uh, One of the major companies made 80% of their profits just from that division. Hmm. And they, that works fine, and I think that'll probably be it, and then it'll sort of satisfy both this urge for a public option and this urge for privatization. It kind of marries the two together.
1: So this uh, private Medicare option, we're going to call it, if you're in the state of Georgia, though, who, whatever carrier that offers that has got to be licensed here in Georgia.
2: Right. Well, well, those, the Medicare plans actually get filed. They do They do have to be a, um, a, a, a carrier registered within the state, but they have actually filed through Medicare, and so I'm not saying that they're going to expand Medicare down to the, you know, age 40-year-old market or 35-year-olds. I have a feeling they're going to use that as a format, as a modeling, and they're going to create a new program. You know, who knows what it's going to be called, but it'll be modeled on that style of plan. I'm not okay. saying that they're going to change the Medicare age rules, which one of the candidates is talking about. I don't think they're going to do that.
1: So ultimately, we'll, we'll continue to have this, what you call a socialized um silo and then we'll have the group silo that's where we are today yeah
2: and we know how many people are turning 65 and we know how many people can are going to be eligible for these other programs so we'll have more
1: and more people going into the social silo
2: 50
1: 50 uh, yeah <laughs> and then uh anybody uh who is previously under an individual was previously
2: under the affordable care act will likely end up there as well That's my guess. Okay. Even Ben Carson was talking about that as a a conservative option. Uh, He was speaking about that during the uh, vice presidential debates. So we're hearing it from both sides of the aisle. That some of that banding about who knows what's actually going to happen, but I think the insurance companies would be on board with that. Okay. Let me ask you. Well, because they make money off of the the the,
1: uh, privately run Medicare policy.
2: It there's a number of reasons that it works for them.
1: Well, I'm going to stop you there because. They like it, but yet it's very expensive to the taxpayer. Ultimately, mm-hmm. is it not?
2: It is. But the the funding of all this is really where the biggest question is: is that how do you how do you do the 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 premium funding? Because it's not a magic bullet to bring down the cost. We spend nine thousand four hundred and three dollars per year per person in America on medical care. A third of all of our medical spending is wasted. That's seven hundred fifty billion dollars a year. So all of the the efforts are looking at how do we get more efficient because. The, we have a very inefficient models right now. And so I'm working with some people at Georgia Tech uh, on a Medicare uh, system to try to make it more efficient. And um, I know that they're working on different ways to you see a lot of hospital systems and doctors groups that are all getting much more efficient. You're seeing a lot more things coming from Medicare that are paying differently to, to try to improve efficiency. And some of it's working. Uh, we had a five and a half percent drop in some of the Medicare spending. Uh, due to these efficiency things, so they are working, but we're not. We've got to get the prices down, and the only way is—it uh, seems like—is to um, hopefully get really, really efficient. Or there's going to be a heavy hand of just price cutting, in a lot of hospitals and doctors and people are just going to, you know, really fight it tooth and nail. And right. I, I don't think that's the way to go. <laughs> and the doctor dilemma is they're going to see more
1: people, presumably, move into the to the socialized side of it, Mm -hmm. which means their reimbursement is going to get lower and lower and lower. That's true. I mean, as as
2: compared to
1: the privatized side. And then, um, so that's, that's something obviously to look, to look into or to be aware of at your local, uh, internist or whatever you call your regular doctor.
2: There, there's all sorts of things that are going to cause them to, they're, they're going to get more efficient. The, The use of telemedicine, the use of more, um, personal let me make sure that I say the words right. If if they've got if 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 they have a system at their office that's not working in their personal offices, they've got to subscribe into better systems, better things that are going to be more efficient. And if it's electronic health records, if it's the way that they approach their patients, if it's telemedicine, if it's doing automated reviews, if it's using um, smartphone apps that that download to the doctor's office, who knows all the things that we're going to do over the next five or six years? But it's going to be a revolution.
1: Right. And then the the the. The taxpayer side of Medicare. Uh, someone's going to have to be making decisions in terms of uh, what get what gets reimbursed, what and what services get covered. And I guess
2: that would all stay the same. Well, you know, all the time there are new new technologies that come out, and it takes a while to get those approved. And some that aren't being you know, covered uh, as they were. So those are big pressures. I mean, the amount of money spent on certain drug therapies and things can mm-hmm. sink the whole system. I mean, there's, sure. there are some major pressures going on. Who makes on.
1: that decision? Is that the FDA? That, no. who, who runs Medicare? So
2: the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, they have their um, uh, the payments advisory board and uh, other bureaucratic uh, decision making that can decide those things. Yeah.
1: So we'll have more and more people kind of pushed over into that side, you would think. We know how many people
2: are turning 65. Yeah, yeah. And then we know how many people are under group insurance, and the businesses are hiring and adding more people, so sure. we're sure. seeing growth there, too. Yeah, okay.
1: Um, let's talk about the small businessman. We talked about the 50 and uh, under, and before we do that, uh, I want to remind you that this is On the Money, uh, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. I'm Joe Moss. We're talking to Keith Nabb, who is the president and owner of Affordable Medicare Solutions, and we are broadcasting from a new location. We, uh, the Subaru of Gwinnett Atlanta Studio, we're now located at the Senesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta, uh, located at Pleasant Hill and I eighty-five. So uh, glad to be in the new studio. Okay, let's talk about. We talked a little bit about uh, the small business under. 50 employees. Let's go to the next level. Wasn't that, as I recall, 51 to 250? Is that the next break? I believe so. Okay. And what's the requirement there again? I'm sorry.
2: I forgot. If you don't, if you don't provide health coverage, you're going to have to pay a penalty. If you don't provide, if you do provide health coverage, you'll pay a penalty. If it's not affordable, if if it's more than eight and a half percent of an employee's pay uh-huh. and they can't afford it, then you'll pay a penalty then too, even if you do provide insurance. So you have to make sure if you provide it, that it's affordable. Uh huh. And if you don't provide it and you're at uh, that level, you're going to pay a, a per head penalty. And if you decide to go to, to tell all those people
1: to go to the exchange, can you make that decision? No, you got to provide a plan. No, you don't have to provide a plan. You can pay the penalty. Okay.
2: Yeah. So, it, but it's huge. I mean, it's a large is penalty. That, is
1: that penalty gotten
2: larger i think the group penalty is still at three thousand uh, dollars an employee okay. per employee
1: um all right then then uh 251 and above i think was the next break and that is they have to provide a uh, coverage if they don't they get penalized but wasn't there another requirement for even the uh, the larger companies
2: well, a lot of them at that level are self insured, so they can set their own rules on some things if they have a self insured under a different uh risk setup. But I really can't speak to some of the, the mega large group okay. situations. Okay. Um, well it's it's just getting a lot more complicated, isn't it? It's the small business owners that where the biggest the biggest issue right now is that if you've got five employees or ten employees, do I or do I not give them insurance? Do I or do I not give them money to go buy insurance? What do I do for my own family? And so that's the biggest questions that people are having right now. It's not on the large group side. It's on this uh, smaller groups. You know, under 25 is the typical one, and they have those questions. Say, what, what am I required to do, and what if I do it wrong? What if I actually am giving? I'm every month in their paycheck. I'm saying, here's a hundred dollars for your health insurance. You're in deep trouble if you get caught doing that. So don't. And the uh, and and the
1: cost for them, the burden, is uh, constantly going up. So the premiums. The yes. premiums, right? And then uh, we we have a an affiliation uh, the show does with uh, the Job Creators Network, and they talk about all the different burdens
2: that are really hurting small business. And this is this is right up there. It's huge, and and so people, if you're trying to attract employees and they're somewhere else, um, you're out. Let's say you're out in the suburbs and you're trying to attract some people from downtown, and they've got they're with a corporation where they've got large benefits and they want to come out. And uh, work closer to home, and you want to be competitive. Well, you have to factor the cost of those benefits in. And a lot of small businesses were not uh, offering that when there was much higher uh, unemployment. It was, you know, it was not as competitive to get people, but the unemployment's dropped, and you're trying to compete for employees. You've got to factor that into your decision. So safety. if
1: you're 50 and under, I guess you could go get a group plan. Could you not?
2: You can be two employees and, and get a group plan.
1: Yeah, but it's going to be pretty expensive for you compared to a group plan for more employees. I would think it's, there's, it's pretty subtle.
2: It's gotten pretty competitive. It's, okay. it's not, it's not as bizarrely different. And the rating for health conditions aren't the same as it used to be. So it's, it's not nearly the, the stark differences as it was three years ago.
1: Um, do we have enough competition going on out there?
2: Well, that's a great question because Georgia does in the personal health market, even though we've had several pull way back, we are actually got, we actually have some uh, options here in Georgia, but if you go to Alabama or South Carolina, there aren't any, there's one carrier in Alabama, one in South Carolina and in parts of Tennessee, there's only one carrier and parts of Georgia and in a couple of pockets in rural areas. There's only one, one carrier, but here in Metro Atlanta, we actually still have four or five, um, options. Um, they're not very attractive. A lot of times they're very small networks and they're very high deductibles and things, but at least we have options. Whereas if you go into some uh, Arizona and other places, you know, you've got these 112% rate increases and a credit option what, you know, who's going to sign up for that? Well,
1: you're going to have to pay the penalty with the, to the IRS, I guess, right? That's the crazy part about it. If you can't afford to do this or somebody's pulling out or it's gone up 112 and you say, no, I don't want to do that, you're still still got to pay the penalty.
2: Unless you're below the federal poverty limit in a state that, that did not expand Medicaid. Right. Or you have other things. There's a hardship exemption form that you can you can submit into the marketplace and they can approve. And that hardship exemption form has 14 items that you can claim. I had trouble paying my utility bills. I had domestic violence. I was homeless for a day or more. There's different categories. And you you file that form and they send it back and you attach that to your taxes and that'll waive the penalty. Okay. It's actually not that hard to get rid of the penalty. It's just it's just doing that process. You just gotta go through it. Like South Carolina and Alabama, is that a
1: legislative problem that they just won't allow any other companies to license there? Or
2: is it a uh, profitability problem or what? I think the part of the problem in Alabama is that Blue Cross Blue Shield of Alabama was the dominant you know, 10,000-pound uh, elephant there. I mean, it was dominating. Right. And so the other carriers came in. They had very small market share. It wasn't that hard for them to pull out. South Carolina, I'm not exactly sure what's going on there. I'm, I'm not as familiar. But uh, here, in, here in Georgia over the last five or six years, our individual personal health market had actually blended out pretty well amongst several carriers. And so there wasn't as so much domination as there was about 15 years ago.
1: Okay. Well, Jaboy, add this in with the uh, new overtime
2: laws that are coming out. The small businessman is kind of scratching his head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that overtime law actually affected my agency. Also, we've had to change the way some of the things we're doing because that could have been very painful penalties. Sure, sure.
1: So what to do? What to do? Uh, what have you done and how, how many employees do you have? I have 12 employees. okay. And
2: so what decisions have you made along these lines? Well the, the interesting the interesting thing for us is that a lot of times people have coverage already with the existing spouses. So uh, most all of my staff actually had benefits elsewhere with the spouses. We actually have some people on Medicare that are on my staff that are over 65 years old. and um, we have, we have a couple that are actually still on their parents plan because they're uh, under 20 under 26 years old. So we actually made the decision to not actually do a group insurance plan. And um, we do uh, pay extra salaries. You increase the salaries. It, it, it somewhat. Right. In order to help people with their thing. Right. And to be equitable, that's actually true. If somebody says, look, I'm not going to participate in a group health plan and I'm going to be with my spouse with Gwinnett County Schools. Sure. And, and you're not giving them anything to help them with their Gwinnett County Schools payment. That's unfair that you're doing it for another employee. So it's actually when you look at the uh, fairness of it, the government needs to look at that and say, well, you know, you're helping one employee buy health insurance. Why can't you help another? And so the, the rules don't allow you to do that. But if you do give everybody a raise to their paycheck, that's, a, that's an equitable solution to that. Uh, and uh, some people look at it that way. So
1: in, in your business, Keith, you you you're an agency and you help everyone navigate through this whole process.
2: Yes. And this is what something that you and I need to really talk about here is that there's going to be about half the agents that deal with the personal health market are going to quit because they cut off of our compensation as of May 1st. And we haven't been getting paid to help people do these plans. And the insurance commissioner of Georgia didn't even know when they did this. So all the carriers turned off our compensation. Some of them have turned back a very small amount of compensation to help people, but it's not even worth turning the lights on. What we got paid five years ago is four times what we're getting paid today if not 10 times comparatively. I mean, it's just re- it's ridiculous the amount of money that they're so, giving. So, let me tell you what the solution, what we've had to do. Sure. We, we had to go get what are called counselor's licenses, which allow us to bill by the hour or by the project, like a CPA or a lawyer, and bill people for helping them to enroll into the Affordable Care Act plans. So, there's actually fees. People have to pay fees because we're not getting the payments from uh, more than half of the carriers or the payments we're getting are just so minuscule that it's not even enough to cover the overhead.
1: So basically, the uh, the individual
2: is kind of on their own. No, they can. you can do your taxes on your own or you can pay someone to do your taxes for you. I, I pay right. my CPA to do my taxes and people, people make these choices all the time. You can change your oil yourself or you can pay somebody to change your oil. That's really the way you have to look at it. So somebody comes in and pays us. But it's not just for the enrollment. It's to manage that plan all year long because sure. the hard part oftentimes isn't enrolling. The hard part is Dealing with the federal structure and making sure that you've updated your income, make sure that you if you have a baby or if you move, it's a pain to change addresses. If you have claims problems, it's a pain. And we, so it's, it's a year long service fee that is not just an enrollment fee. Um, dramatic change for in our industry. So what kind of questions are you hearing in your business? Why are you still doing this? That's one of the questions I bring.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of uh, someone calling and uh, concerned about
2: anything, what kind of concerns are people sharing with you? Well, the first thing is they want to make sure their doctors are going to be covered. Huh. And, and so I had, I had a gentleman in my office today, and he's been a client for at least 10 years. And um, we checked, and, uh, and luckily we found one plan that had all, all three of their family doctors. Another client came in and did not. Um, so it was a tough decision there that uh, couldn't cover all of her doctors. So that's one of the main things. But then the next thing is the drugs. If somebody's on any sort of difficult drug, that can be a, you might not be able to find a plan that covers your doctor and your drug. Wow. I mean, then you, then how you have, is you an have individual, if
1: they don't use you, how are they going to figure all that out?
2: Well, you can go to healthcare.gov and I encourage people to try and do it. And then actually there now at healthcare.gov, it's been improved where you actually can put in your doctors and your drugs and hopefully the system will give you the correct answer back. Hopefully, I mean, you know, it, it was failing yesterday. It was the first day of enrollment uh, on the 1st. But, um, it is, uh, it was today when I was in there today, it was working and I successfully uh, completed some enrollments with my staff did too, but we have, it's spotty, you know, and, um, I, I have faith that it'll, it'll probably work well this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, medicare.gov has worked really well, which is the Medicare website. And, uh, we have very few glitches there this year, but now that we have both of them on overlap where both enrollment seasons are happening it's at the same server farm at the government wow. and sometimes they end up affecting each other wow this is be
1: careful of all the unintended consequences correct that's correct
2: and it's really it's really sad for my industry because so many guys um, I've been acquiring other agencies as other people have just said we're not going to do this anymore I've acquired two agencies another block of business I'm negotiating for a fourth agency and these are people that are saying the government has made this too tough I don't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: Right. Small business are saying that too. Government's making this too tough. I don't want, don't want to do it anymore.
2: You would not believe some of the compliance rules that we have to live with under. And I'm not allowed to criticize the government, but do you have to get a permission slip to talk to your accountant about your taxes? No. You just walk in and talk to them. Right. In order for me to talk to somebody about Medicare, they have to fill out a permission slip. And it's three months that it lasts. And then if I come back, they come back and talk to me again. We have to sign another permission slip. I have to keep those on file for 10 years. Now, I'm not criticizing the system because I'm not allowed to, but but do you find that odd that we have to get permission? Sure. Slips? Now,
1: does that have to get approved? Does a permission slip have to get approved? If
2: I get audited and it's not done correctly, then, yeah, I'll, then okay. I'll, I will get a compliance violation and get someone visiting me. And also, they're sending citizens. They pay citizens to go out and monitor agents. There's a whole... Um,
1: the same um, thing they're doing with fair lending. Yeah. All those kind of
2: things. They call it secret shoppers. So. Yeah. Great. <laughs>
1: You're listening to Keith Nabb, and uh, this is On the Money. Joe Moss, the moderator, brought to you by Embassy National Bank. And I'm a little stooped here because we're talking to Keith about uh, medical insurance and where the whole industry is going. And uh,
2: for the small businessman, it's just really, really tough. I think it would be great to have some regulations um, relaxed, obviously, and I'm a big believer in health savings accounts, and that's a, that's what I've used for my family for a long time. And there are strategies that will marry well with all of this new technology and ideas and telemedicine and things that I think are really going to change the way we look at our health care.
1: So spend a little bit of time on the health
2: savings account. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: How how are those structured again, just so people kind of have a refresher?
2: So uh, let's talk about a personal one that you're not with a group insurance. So if you're personal and you want to do your own health savings account, you have to buy a plan that is qualified. It's called a high deductible health plan that then marries with a private health savings account you can go set that up at your own uh and a
1: carrier would offer that
2: well some of the carriers do but generally you would go to your own bank or your own investment house and say i want to turn on my health savings account it's just like an ira and we call it like a medical ira Mm -hmm. you just turn on this health savings account and you're allowed to deposit a certain amount each year into that i think the number this year is 6450 for a family and 3550 for an individual 3550 dollars I believe that's the correct number. 6450 for a family, okay. I think that's right, and 3550 okay. 5, for an individual. You're allowed to put that money in, and it's kind of like the marriage of a Roth IRA and a traditional IRA because you get to deduct the money for putting it in there, and you don't pay any taxes on the growth when you withdraw it. Now, if you withdraw it early or or, or for non-medical things, there's penalties. But, um, you know, so it's like an IRA if you keep it in there. So Roth IRA, you don't ever pay taxes, right? You don't get the deduction, but you don't ever pay taxes. Traditional IRA... You get the deduction, but then you do pay taxes. So a health savings account is actually the blend of those two ideas together where you get the deduction and you don't pay taxes on the growth if you use it for medical care.
1: So the idea then is that you marry that with a very high
2: deductible, but you just put your normal payment into that account every month. And I do a third thing. So I do exactly that, but then I buy an additional health insurance coverage that erases my deductible in the case of accidents or heart attacks or strokes. So that so that if I did have a major event like a heart attack, I would get a five thousand dollar check. It would erase my deductible.
1: That sounds to me like kind of um what what was
2: that? Kind of an, an Affleck plan. Right. Affleck's pioneered that. There's plenty of other carriers that have ones that are designed to to marry with the health plans perfectly. And um it's a great way you sort of get the best of both worlds: low premium, but also in the case of catastrophe, you're not getting a big bill. So the way that works is you got to write the check to the HMA, your your
1: your management account, but then anything that gets paid for those kind of policies that has to come out of that account.
2: So you can typically they'll give you a Visa debit card or a Mastercard yeah. debit card, or you can just submit in for reimbursement. Mine's got an online reimbursement, the one I use, which is HealthEquity.com. Uh huh. And I just go in there and I submit for reimbursement. It's, it transfers over to my account the next day the amount of money. They don't really care. It's between you and the IRS to prove, if you get audited, you know, what, that you're doing this, that you're doing it for medical expenses. And
1: there's been some discussion about increasing the availability yes. of the management account, correct? Incre- it increasing it really,
2: the dollar amount that's eligible. And increasing the access and the ease for people to use the health savings account idea because it, it, it then makes you more judicious in your spending. You know, you'll go out and instead of just spending money willy nilly, if it's coming out of your pocket, you're going to find a, the doctor or you're going to ask for the MRI place, you know, what does it cost? And if one MRI place is 800 bucks and the other one is 1200, you're going to be a better shopper. Clark Howard talks about the transparency and medical costs. And there's a lot of great ways. GoodRx.com is a great website that I use every day. It's a price transparency on drugs and you'd be stunned. You'll put in your name of your drug and it'll show you 12 pharmacies and it might be eight bucks at one place. It'll be $80 at another place. Wow. Wow. So when consumers get smart, my Medicare consumers have really gotten smart because they're on fixed incomes. If we could do that for all of America, we'd drive down our costs.
1: Yeah, it, it keeps people, I guess the argument is it keeps people from going to the doctor because they're going to have to pay for it out there. They're thinking it's coming out of my own pocket.
2: Well, but I think half of the doctor visits are a waste anyway, is what they say, is that right. you might have been able to just do a telemedicine visit and they say, or, or, or just see a nurse practitioner online or your smartphone can read your your temperature or look inside your throat or your ear and you send them a picture. It's incredible the things and you'd pay 20 bucks for that instead well, of wasting everybody's time coming in for a doctor's.
1: Doctor. Ultimately what's going to happen is you'll have these shops say, look, let me test your blood. I'll check for cholesterol, mm-hmm. I'll check for H1C and I'll check your blood pressure. And if you cover all those three, you basically have eliminated about 90% of
2: the stuff that can go wrong with you. Yeah, no, but you can do that on your smartphone. You actually haven't, they're actually having a smartphone app that's coming out that'll, that, that checks your heart rate, your blood pressure, and you can do about six or seven different blood tests, check your eight, your your blood sugars, everything on your smartphone. Why not? Let's remove half the visits to the doctor. You learn so much on this
1: show, don't you, Mike? I mean, and and by the way, come January, we're Mike and I are going to get driven around in a uh, driverless car. There we go. <laughs> the, the perks of
0: perks of on the money. Wow. <laughs> so uh, we're seeing a lot of technology going on. Uh, although I'm not sure if I, I'm committing to driving around in a driverless car. I am. Absolutely. I want to see it work first. Okay. <laughs> while you're doing
1: that, we can check your blood on your um, iPhone and or your smartphone and
0: Keith will be available to help you set up your uh, HSA. Well, if we get hurt, you know, we don't have to see the doctor. We just have it done on our phone somehow. Right.
2: I, right. Think, I think Tesla is working on their cars to actually do a full exam while you're driving. Yeah. <laughs> This is nuts.
1: I will have to talk about that in January. Well, Keith, you're not going to leave this, but we're out of time. Always a pleasure. Mr. Keith Nabb, as far as I'm concerned, the most knowledgeable person that there is on the planet relative to medical coverage and and, and everything that's going on out there. So we will continue to
2: have you back on this show. Well, thank you very much. Tell me, all right, final words for you. I want to have a star outside your office for me being your first one in here to do the thing. We I want should do that. I want to walk a fame star outside. you. Yeah. We should do that. Okay, that's a good idea. We should he, put.
1: Keith
0: f- and I have had conversations about Keith having a show. Well, maybe he is, sh- maybe he is he the smartest m- smartest man when it comes to the subject. Yeah, but can you imagine? No, no, talk- pr- no pressure, Keith. Can you, Can you imagine <laughs> talking about health care every week? But anyway, that's, it changes every You week. know, I teach yeah.
2: classes for Medicare. I teach 100 classes for Medicare a year, and they pack the rooms for those. The seniors just absolutely are dying for information on Medicare. Well, of course they are. They're not getting it for anywhere. Of you know. course they are.
1: Every Well, not only, there's two Did you things you say they're going dying
2: on. for it? Yeah, I'm sorry. It's a wrong term. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> there's two things going on. One is they got a place to go, and I'm sure you got some treats out, right? I'm sorry, but that does the, the, happen.
2: There's compliance rules where we're actually not allowed to put out treats anymore, so... come on. (laughs) That's why people are getting out of
0: the business. Keith is buying up (laughs) all the companies. come on.
2: And (laughs) and they do like to continue to learn.
1: So, you know, that and investment symposiums, they'll be there. (laughs) Well, Keith, it's great to have you. Thank you for doing uh, doing the show here today in our new studio. You're the pioneer. I think it all worked out real well. Unfortunately, no cameras today, but that's a good thing. Don't worry about it. We'll probably have them next week. But anyway, that's the show today for On the Money the number one small business show on business radio X presented by embassy national bank. Uh, you can always go out to on the money dot and listen to the shows. Uh, we're also available on, um, Facebook and not Facebook, but iTunes where you can download these shows for free. I've got people that do download them and listen while they're traveling. Apparently that works real well. So we will, um, a couple of things to just to remember. One is uh, medical insurance questions. Just call Keith; he'll answer them for you, help you through it. And I've said this every uh, every week. Let's say it again, especially now. Be careful out there, you small business people. There's a lot of stuff going on. Very, very important to keep yourself knowledgeable and educated about all the rules and regs that are happening right now. And then the last one we always say is: please just stay authentic. Everybody wants to know. Everybody's more pleased with hearing about who you really are as opposed to what you try to pretend to be. So stay authentic. With that, we will see you next time.